0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the show. Show number two today. As I demo some of the new features on my computer, I think I look... I think I look better. I look touched up a little bit. I look a little professional. It's a better show. If I'm, uh less hideous monster on screen, then maybe you're more likely to hang out with us here. I also took a shower today, so that's, like, pretty big deal for yours truly. I know. Hey, if you guys are going to enjoy this, if you think you're going to enjoy it, please hit that thumbs up button. Oh, I showed you guys my toe thumb. I should have gone with this one. That's the normal one. Somewhere in that neck of the woods, I think, on uh, on your traditional YouTube page. Uh, All those listening on the regular old recorded side, I got nothing but love for you. Hang out with us as well. Five star reviews, those also go a long way. But uh, subscriptions, I need everybody to hit the subscribe button. That's just such a big deal, especially if you're finding this for a first time. We can continue to grow the monster that is Sports Ethos and its YouTube page, subsidiaries, and all that good stuff. So, what are we doing today? Well,. Originally, today was going to be a punt, assists, and steals show, but our good buddy, Keston Paul, had some audio issues. And so we had to pivot. And as I looked through some of our recent conversations, I realized that two and a half or whatever it was weeks ago, we started to do a series of shows called the steals and busts of the first round, steals and busts of the second round, the third, the fourth. I think we got, if memory serves as far as the fifth round, and then Yahoo went and rearranged their board. Now, I don't think we need to redo the ESPN side because we were going off of their kind of old rankings anyway. But I do think that for our purposes, it makes a lot of sense to redo our Yahoo board and should probably continue to redo it anytime they shuffle the deck. Because we build these steals and busts rankings on the idea that where you take a player is more important than who that player is. That is to say, if you're looking at the top of the board, Kyrie Irving is now up at number eight, for instance, on the Yahoo table. He wasn't there before. When he was 11, 12, and getting passed over for things, He was a terrific steal. At number eight, he's probably not. And then I realized, so we're kind of talking about this. Like, I did the show two days ago or whatever it was where we talked about Yahoo's rearrangings on the board, and we tried to kind of speed our way through it. And we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round exercise in today's show as well. But I wanted to kind of have it all together. That is to say, instead of saying, oh, this is where everybody, this is the shifts that happened... Let's go back now and lightning round our way through the top 100, if we can get there, on the Yahoo board and who my favorite values are and possible busts are now that the board has been rearranged. Because what we did two days ago, and every once in a while I got sidetracked by talking about whether or not I liked where a player was or not, but mostly what we did was just list, here's guys that went up, here's guys that went down, what does that mean? That's not the whole story, because as other guys are shaking around, sometimes the dudes that stay still actually become interesting values, because like, if somebody moves up three slots, or if a few guys move up three slots, the guy in front of them moves down those same number of slots, and maybe now he becomes a draft day value. So let's dive straight in. We're going to do this in chunks of 30, because that's the way that Yahoo allows us to allows me to sh- screen share it and put it on your board. And let's talk about who the steals and busts are now. We're going to start with steals. We're going to go through the first, you know what, maybe we'll do top 90 just because it's easier, or, or if there's time, I guess I can go one page farther. In this top 30, as those watching live see me scroll up and down so you can see the first chunk of names that we're going to be working from. The new steals on the board, and I don't know if you guys remember them before. If you don't, you can go back and watch some of those old shows. Tyrese Halliburton at 6 is now a steal. Because for a while, he was at 7, then he was at 6, then he was at 4, then he was at 5. He's been bouncing all around in there. He and Steph were briefly fighting, and Shea was fighting uh, for the 6 and 7 spot. Well, Shea got moved up a bunch of of slots, and now Tyrese is in the 6 hole, and I believe he's one of the early round steals. But I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on each one because I want to make sure that we can get through the top 100 both on the steals and on the possible, if you want to call them busts, but just guys that I don't like as much where they're going side. So let's do this pretty fast. What I'd like to do is try to do about 10 minutes zipping through the steals, 10 minutes zipping through the busts. And I'm going to try to click on the player name so you can see which player I'm talking about as I mention them on YouTube. And then, if there's a couple minutes at the end of the show, we'll do a few questions from the chat room as well. So that's the plan for this one. Tyrese Halliburton, the first steal on the rearranged Yahoo board. The next steal, and I don't think he's going to stay there for long, is Damian Lillard at 12. But also, you could throw Kevin Durant in at 11. Durant didn't move all that much, but now that he's going really truly at the tail end of the first round, he, in my estimation, is a steal there. Dame is a steal there, but he's going to move up at the next board shift. And I would argue Anthony Davis now falling into the second round is a steal as well. There's a lot of risk involved in KD and AD, but as possible top five per game guys, that's a risk you kind of are willing to swallow if you probably want to pair him up with someone a little bit more durable and reasonable. And I would venture to guess that Dame is going to be that guy this year. Milwaukee's going to want to manage his minutes a little bit. Uh, and they'll have more blowout wins than portland had so dame probably isn't going to need to play 35 36 minutes a night every night he was at 36 plus which pretty much i mean that was the only chance portland had to win last year was dame playing 37 38 39 minutes a night milwaukee's going to probably try to get him back into a more reasonable spot um if you look at what the bucks have done here recently They've tried to keep their star guys more in the 33 range. Drew Holiday was at 32 and a half. Giannis was in that range as well. Middleton never really got his legs underneath him. Brooke Lopez was at 30. Not that you want to necessarily call him a superstar or anything, but he was one of their guys. So expect Dame's minutes to come down. But even still, he's going to play. And that was a big fear in any place besides Miami. Uh, Do I think his usage takes a a small hit in Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, he did everything for the Blazers last year, but suddenly now he becomes a much safer play. And in my eyes, that makes him kind of a steal because there just aren't that many guys in the first round pre-ranked beyond five or six, I guess, now with Halliburton there where you can say, oh, this guy's probably going to be a first rounder per game and he's likely going to be trying to play in a lot of ball games this year. There just aren't that many of those guys. As we continue to scroll down the board, you kind of have a long way to go before you get to the next, what I'd call a quote-unquote steal, because a guy like Donovan Mitchell is relatively safe there, but I don't think he's a steal. Trey Young is more of a build guy. Sabonis and Edwards are more of the durability types. Mikhail Bridges, same story. He's maligned now, and I think some of it is because there's been this uh, fantasy backlash against rank boards lately and it's one of those things where a lot of it is warranted and we've tried to go into some of the detail on it on this show but the problem is that listeners of my show uh, of other big fantasy shows like I know Josh talks about how z-scores are not everything uh, all the time and he's very right about it the issue is that people don't hear the nuance they hear the 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 title, basically, like the topic sentence, but then they don't internalize the nuance of what we all are saying after that. Those of us that have these slightly larger platforms to work with, which is, no, Z-scores aren't everything, but they they are still a decent chunk of things. You can't discount them completely. It has to be a piece of the puzzle. So for Jaron Jackson Jr., who's the next one on the list, I know I said I didn't want to stop and talk about guys for too much. He's one that I think requires a little bit of analysis because he was number 12 on a per-game basis last year. Even if his blocks come down this season, the expectation is that his offensive role is going to be greater this year, particularly the first 25 games with John Moran out, but possibly the whole way through. Steven Adams coming back and playing center. Maybe that hurts him on the rebounding front. I don't think it impacts JJJ and a whole lot of other scenarios. Maybe field goal percent as well. Um, but what you're looking at with him, obviously, is blocks. And then can he add anything else in the counting stats if his minutes are higher, if his role is larger? No, he's not a good first-round pick. Because remember, JJJ before was pre-ranked like around the turn, And so then he's a guy that you're building your team on, and he's the only player in the first round, or formerly in the first round, apologies, the only player that was formerly ranked in the first round, where they are a true net positive by Z-score in one category. When someone's within about, you know, half a standard deviation of something, uh, you can you don't want to call it net neutral because there is obviously a difference between being like a positive 0.4 and a negative 0.4 on that Z-score scale. Uh, scale, But for JJJ, he's right around the midpoint and everything except assists where he's a negative and blocks where he's an extraordinary positive. The guys you're drafting in the first round, you want to be able to build a team on them having three or four or even five strong positive categories. JJJ is almost impossible player to build around He's the guy you slot in around someone else that's already given you a firm foundation. So the beauty of JJJ now going at the end of the second round is that you probably have someone like Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Tyrese Halliburton or Steph Curry in the first round. These guys, like Shea, for instance, very good in scoring, very good in steals, very good in free throws, pretty damn good in uh, steals—I said steals, I think, already—pretty damn good in—or, like, serviceable in assists and good in blocks for a guard— Field goal percent is solid. You've got this nice firm foundation. You throw in a mega blockmeister and a very good steals guy from the center spot who will add a little bit of another stuff that doesn't really drag you down. And you basically just took your second round pick and said, boom, I got this category locked in. Great, that's fantastic. If it's the end of the second round, because now you've got another pick coming up in the third, you can use that on someone a little bit more well-rounded. So I actually really like JJJ at the end of the second round. I think he ends up being someone who beats his marker and maybe that is sticking sort of strictly to the rankless profile, but because you probably have a first rounder who's very good in four or five categories, you can afford to take a second rounder who keeps those four or five categories floating and adds one more to the mix in a big, big way that you just don't even have to think about almost the rest of the board. All right, let's keep moving, but let's move a little bit faster now. Um, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler at 23 and 24, I really like a lot now. I think we've heard, and, you know, some of it can be bluster coming out of Clippers territory. I forgot to put JJJ's face on the board when we were talking about it. That's who we were talking about just a minute ago was Jaron Jackson Jr. Sorry, YouTubers, podcasters, you guys don't know any different. Uh, we're talking to Kawhi Leonard now. The uh, And you can see the, the news there coming up on your screen. Um, Kawhi's healthy coming into the season. That's a big deal. Um, there's even thought that he might be, um, playing in a handful of back-to-backs this year, that not, not missing all of them, meaning that instead of his game target being 68, maybe his game target is more like 71, and so then if he misses an additional seven or eight games, you're talking low to mid-60s instead of maybe high 50s to barely getting into the 60s, and that's a big deal, because Kawhi is... Has been for a while, and likely will be for some time, a mid-first rounder on a per-game basis. And when you can stretch that out over mid-60s in games, he smashes an ADP or pre-rank at the end of the second round. And similar story for Jimmy Butler, who's going to be driving angry this season. Heat are going to need him to play as many games as humanly possible. He got into 64 last year. A repeat of that would be another big win from this spot. People are still afraid of Jimmy because of the injury-prone tag. He may even slide farther than 24, and I would happily take him here now, now that we know that Dame is not headed to town. If Miami adds someone like Drew Holiday in a trade that doesn't impact Butler all that much, he's going to beat this mark per game easily, and then the totals is the only question mark. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Honorable mention in this 30 range. Two of them. James Harden and Karl-Anthony Towns. And I forgot to put Jimmy Butler's face on the screen. There's Jimmy. There he is. James Harden is an honorable mention because he's going to fat suit his way right out of Philadelphia. But the question is, where is he going It's hard to see a place where Harden goes besides the Clippers where he doesn't beat 25 per game. Clippers is probably the only destination I can think of where he does not necessarily beat this per-game marker. So James Harden is uh, very much a a risk-reward play right now, Uh, but he's honorable mention, as is Karl-Anthony Towns. We'll throw him up on the screen as well. I'm realizing that people are seeing the team names that he's on in in the Yahoo League that I'm logged into. Sorry, Matthew's Choice team. Um, Cat was a mid-20s guy before he got hurt last year. I think there's every reason to believe that he gets back to that spot this season. I think we'll see some better health out of him. I hope we do. Um, So getting him near 29 is uh, a small steal, which makes him more of an honorable mention than a uh, full-on lock. I said I was going to do 10 minutes on each. I'm 10 minutes in, and we're only in the top 30. So we'll move a little bit faster now uh, as we hit the next basically 60 names here. Uh, I like DeJounte Murray at 32. I think he can beat this per game this season if the steals tick back up a little bit, but he's not. He falls somewhere in between, I think, honorable mention and like full-size steal. Miles Turner is, I believe, a, a full-size steal at number 35. He's very much a top 20 per game kind of guy. Um, when he's been logging center minutes, we've seen it games when Demonis Sabonis was out. If you go back a few years, this season, pretty much 20th, all year long, no matter what was going on around him. And then they just pulled the plug. Indy pulled the plug. But Miles Turner is like JJJ light, uh, but you can get him around later. So maybe that's the reason to not necessarily want JJJ is, hey, I can get Miles Turner around after this. And their numbers are strikingly similar minus Jaron Jackson with the extra half block. Basically, everything else is almost exactly the same. So if I like JJJ at the end of the second, I very much like Miles Turner at the end of the third. Um, He, to me, is someone who blitzes his per-game side, and so then you're just hoping that Indy keeps him upright. I think they're going to be competing pretty hard this year. I really like Miles Turner as a third-round pick in basically all formats. Uh, Vooch is kind of honorable mention. I think he probably posts per game numbers around 30 this year, maybe mid 30s. Probably doesn't spank his 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 per game market or his uh, pre ranked mark here at 37, but I do think he beats it by totals. So that puts him in the honorable mention category. As we scroll down the board, Porzingis is your roll of the dice play. Um, you know, it's always about up whether or not he can be upright. But I do think that as he's now continued to slide. Porzingis is officially a steal in the mid-40s. You know, he won't be top 15 again this year, but he'll be he'll almost definitely be top 25, top 30 at the very worst. So then you really just need about 64 games out of him, and he's, uh, and he's coasting past this pre-ranked mark as well. I, uh, I like DeMar DeRozan at 44. He finished up last season at number 28 on a per-game basis. I don't see any obvious reason why his role is going to shift dramatically in Chicago. Because they're just running it back, basically. They tried to get better pieces around DeMar, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. The only way that this one comes apart is if DeRozan gets traded midseason, which is a non-zero possibility, so we can't completely shelve that. But if he stays put, he beats this mark and he ends up being a steal. You guys are going to think this is nuts. I actually think Chet Holmgren is a bit of a steal at number 48. Um, I don't know how many games he gets into this year. That's the one thing that's sort of uh, a bit of a coin flip. But on a per-game basis, he has all of the outlines of kind of like the next Miles Turner, JJJ sort of profile where he can approach 50% from the field if he's around the rim. He can stretch the floor. He can rebound a little bit, but he's not going to be an absolute behemoth there against just bigger, stronger dudes. And he's going to block shots. So there's a lot to like about Holmgren. Uh, I mean, we just talked about Porzingis as well. These, These big men that can hit the three ball, block shots, and keep your percentages high. It's really easy for them to rack up fantasy stats. And this, among the guys that do all of those things, Holmgren is the one of them going the latest. I know. Surprise the hell out of you. Surprise the hell out of me too. I like Zach Levine as an honorable mention. I like Walker Kessler as a steal here now that he's fallen into the 50s. He was going in the 30s before, and at that point, I didn't like it at all. So he's very much either a—I'm going to call it a victim of Yahoo's board reshuffling or actually kind of a winner from the board reshuffling now. He's dropped almost 20 slots. You can see his ADP is still in the low 40s at 43.6, so the new board hasn't fully taken effect yet. Uh, But you can get him in the fifth round now. He was playing as a second rounder towards the end of last season— and that center job is all his. I know he didn't do much on Team USA, but it was a good learning experience for him. And that's the guy that Utah is going to build around. Um, I don't have many sources in the NBA. I never have, and I probably never will. But I do have one. And the one source that I have suggests that this is a match and and the teams really love each other. That is to say, they Utah is extremely invested in Walker Kessler. Um, and so he's going to get, basically all he can handle there this year so um, if you can handle the free throw stuff I think he beats 52 per game pretty easily hey the trade yesterday makes DeAndre Aiden kind of an interesting play he's really a 50 60 range guy when he's not at all being featured Um, last year I'm trying to remember where he finished up 56 uh, he'll be better than that this year so he now is a steal candidate uh, but I do think he gets moved up the board probably by about a round the next time that Yahoo Redoes it. Jared Allen at 54 is a steal. Nick Claxton at 56 is a steal. These are just sort of relatively easy calls. And then the one that takes a little bit more gumption, a little more chutzpah, as it were, is Tyrese Maxey, because I forgot to put all the other people's faces on the board. I'll throw them up there here in just a second. Um, I, I don't think James Harden is playing a game for Philadelphia this year. Tyrese Maxey was someone I faded last season thinking that we had already seen his big step forward. I got that right. He also was hurt. I didn't know that was going to happen. That was not part of my handicap, but that certainly made my call to fade more right. Um, this year, I'm back on the Maxey bandwagon. I took a year off, um, and I think I'm catching this on the right inflection points because his usage should... Go up considerably, and that's going to be tied to a big jump in value. More points, more threes. The positive impact percentages for him will have an even bigger impact there. Uh, Get him out on the floor for an extra minute, minute and a half. That helps with boards, assists, and steals. I I just have every reason to believe that Maxi moves himself into that uh, probably 40-some-odd range, so I really like him here in the late 50s as a nice upside play. The other names that I said but forgot to put up on the screen uh, was DeMar DeRozan, as I throw him up there real quick. Chet, throw him up there real fast. Zach Levine was honorable mention. Walker Kessler, my internet is being tested here, by the way, if I'm running a live stream and throwing faces up. Here we go. Yes, the computer is handling it perfectly fine, and there are the other ones. And now we're in full sprint mode because I need to cycle back around to the busts. And I'm like 17 minutes into the steals. Not great work here, Dan. Uh, Steals between 60 and 90. And there are a handful of them, but they all got shoved into one little bucket. Uh, I like Cam Johnson a lot as a possible steal at 67, although I don't think that he beats it by that much. Um, honorable mention goes to Rudy Gobert because at 69. He probably just sort of walks into it, a rank that's just a tiny bit better than that. Brooke Lopez has fallen far enough where he's a steal again. I really like Jeremy Grant for the first four and a half months of the season. So if your league ends early or is a roto league, he's a really good one. Let me throw Brooke Lopez's sweet mug up there. There's Jeremy Grant. I like him as a, a roto play or a if your head-to-head league ends somewhat early play. Uh, I like Tyus Jones, but not as much here at 75. Um, He was one of my favorites in the 90s. He's more of an honorable mention here at 75. It's taken, I'll admit, a little bit of the shine off of it. Jakob Pertl's another guy who lost some of his shine moving forward by about a round. I still think he's a steal at 79 because he was rolling uh, 40 range at Toronto when he was playing full starters minutes. I think he can be a top 50 center this year, uh, so I like him a lot. Anthony Simons is going to get all he can handle. He's got top 50 potential. Markel Fultz being shifted up by about a round. Kind of killed what I was going to do with him. I feel like Fultz is more of a 70-some-odd range guy. and When you could get him in the 90s, that felt pretty good. But if you got to take him here early 80s, I mean, we're talking about, what, half a round at this juncture? You probably want to shoot for maybe a little bit more of a gap than that, where maybe a guy like Tobias Harris is the answer. He also just got pushed forward. But I don't think it's by enough because Tobias was like a 40-range guy before James Harden got to town. And to me, Harden was almost all of the story there. I think Tobias can exist with Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. I don't think he could exist with Harden. He was just too far down the pecking order. Um, I don't think he gets all the way back up to 40, but at 85, I like him a lot. Daniel Gafford, he also got pushed forward here in the latest rebuild, but remains a value. Mark Williams got pushed forward by 30 slots in the latest rebuild and might not be quite the value he was anymore. He was a he was a big-time target for a lot of us when he was going around 120. Eh, not so much here in the late 80s. All right, as we bring up the front of the board again and start looking at possible busts, see how I did it there real quick, I do want to remind you guys, if you're enjoying this Uh, the way that I'm doing any of these shows during this draft season, please do take a moment to hit the thumbs up button, subscribe whatever service you're using to view and listen to this stuff. Please subscribe. That is the preeminent thing that I need you all to do. So that way you can catch all the things that I put together during the regular season. There's going to be a lot of stuff here on YouTube and on the pod channels. Um, Probably not going to be doing this many shows. We'll certainly have our Monday through Fridays. We'll probably have some other stuff mixed in there, a little like uh, kind of fun side project type of shows. But uh, please, thumbs up. I know you're out there. There's probably going to be a thousand of you that watch this or more. If even like 15% of you guys hit that thumbs up button, it really would mean a lot to me. And certainly if a few of you do it now, that'll help more people do it later. So thank you for that in advance. It took me 20 minutes to get through the steals. That was not what I intended, but hopefully we can get through some of the bust level guys a little bit quicker. Believe it or not, I don't think anyone in the first round is what you'd call a traditional bust anymore. Sure, Luca probably won't hit the two ranking on a per game basis in 9cat, but if you're taking Luka at two, you're doing it to build a head-to-head team around him. So 9cat Roto, yeah, he doesn't get to his mark, but you can't really call Luka a bust. It's not fair terminology there. He's just a guy that's not going to hit this Pre rank. And he's an example of what we talked about earlier in the show when I said, look, I agree with this concept that Z scores aren't everything, but they are still something. Luca's the example of a guy where the Z score doesn't tell the whole story. He's more valuable than the Z scores indicate because if you run the Luca head to head team build, you know exactly where to go. You lean into his strengths and you try to build one or two more strengths on top of it, and you got a killer head to head team. So it's as simple as that with him. And that's why you can't pick him as a bust. The guys we pick as busts have to be guys that just don't get it done. So there, in my estimation, none really in the first round. Because Giannis, he'll be fine if you're punting free throw. And LaMelo Ball will be fine if you're punting field goal. And these other guys are all in good shape. The one that I don't like as we start to roll into the second round, believe it or not, is Devin Booker. Um, I don't... Trust his health all the way. He only played in 53 games last year. He's probably, I mean, I think he'll, I think we all feel pretty confident that he'll get more games under his belt than that. But there's this consensus that he's going to magically become a point guard. And I just don't think that's going to happen. He's going to have to share the ball now with two other very high volume guys. Are they all going to be terrible? Hell no. I still think Kevin Durant's going to put up really good numbers. I think Booker's going to put up really good numbers. But the problem is that Devin Booker was number 29 last year when he was the guy taking 20 shots a game for Phoenix. And then as guys got hurt, that could go up to 21 or 22. I don't know that any of the three big names in Phoenix take 20 shots a night this coming season. It might be all three guys get 18. Kind of like when KD went to Golden State. Now, Phoenix is truly just running and gunning, and there is, like, no shot clock use of any kind. Then perhaps they get, you know, someone gets to 20 shots or they get to 19 or 20 shots apiece. I just, and Booker is such a, he's a perfect example of somebody who desperately needs usage because he's not a big rebounder. His assists might go up a little bit, but I actually think we're overemphasizing that. It's not like he's just going to turn into a point guard. His assists per possession might go up, Like he might get more assists per time he touches the ball, but that's just going to mean slightly fewer points, threes, positive impact percentages for him. So uh, to me, one doesn't outweigh the other usage is value by and large in the NBA. He was already hyper-efficient. So it's not like that really has many places to go for him. And I just think he takes a step back. And I know I'm a little bit out on an Island with, with this one, um, but that's the way I feel. I don't like Devin Booker as a second rounder this year. Anthony Edwards is on the cusp, in my opinion, of being bust worthy. Um, he's number forty per game last year. He's more he, he's gonna be better in points leagues than he is in others. He does a lot of things really well, so I get it. You can kind of like sort of build around his stuff, but he not only he needs to take a pretty good size step forward on the per game side. I, I know that he's incredibly durable. But I don't want a guy who's ranked 30th and super durable that I'm taking at the beginning of the second round. So Anthony Edwards is sort of like your honorable mention possible bust in this range where everybody's on him. And that tends to work out poorly because it pushes guys a little bit too far up the board. Um... I think LeBron James. Oh, we'll go Pascal Siakam next. I keep forgetting to put the the people's faces up on the board. So this is Ant, as your your um, honorable mention. Booker was my bust in this range. That one didn't change much. Pascal Siakam at 27 is a possible bust. He's a percentages guy that's not, or percentages killer, I should say. He was number 44 last year. More usage would help him. Um But he has a lot of things that he would need to fix. And he ain't playing more than 37 and a half minutes per game, which he did last season. I just don't see how he gets to 27 on a per-game basis. I don't know that his body stays upright all year after it basically did last season. He's also a threat to be traded, so he remains a possible bust in this second round. And then LeBron James, who, I mean, right now, as I record this podcast, the Lakers are having their first press conference of the year. Rob Palenka and Darvin Hamm, and one of the things they talked about is how they really want to manage LeBron James's minutes. And in seasons past, they wanted to, but they couldn't because the team was too bad. But the team is good now. LeBron's not playing 36 minutes a game this year. He's not taking 22 shots a night. He's not going to have to do what he has done in the past. And so the regular season, LeBron is going to be dialed back. I don't think he's a third-rounder, but maybe barely on a per-game basis. Um uh, but you throw that on top of the fact that he is old now, like real old as dirt, old as almost as old as me, dirt. And uh, I don't think he gets to that pre-rank. Cade Cunningham is another one that I gotta throw on this mix, and this one's gonna everybody's gonna kill me for this one. But I think he just keeps getting pushed too far up the board. His pre-rank was like 20 slots lower when we all started talking about this a month ago, and now he's at 31 instead of like 50 something. There's just only so far you can push a guy. Before, he's not that good. That's the... Okay. That could get taken out of context. Kate is very good at basketball. When I say he's not that good, I mean he's not as good as the number requires him to be. If you're taking him at 50 and you're like, okay, I'm in a punt field goal build, great. That could work out for your team. But if now you're forced to take him like early to mid-third round and you're passing up on guys that could legitimately just beat him by a round or two on a per-game side, you're kind of operating backwards. You don't have to take the guys that are exclusively for your punt build at this juncture. And so, I know I just made an argument for why Luka makes sense at two in head-to-head teams. I don't think you need to take Cade here, even if that's the build you're looking at, because there are other guys that you can do here that cover up. We talked about this with Rhett on our punt threes build show. This is where you take guys that cover up the things that you're going to need to win, that are going to be harder to find later. There'll be plenty of guys later in this draft that stink at field goal percent and can do other stuff that aren't going to get drafted as high. Let's try to move uh, through this thing again a little bit faster. Um, Victor Wembanyama, 38. You guys are probably thinking I'm going to say he's a bust, but if he actually goes near 40, um, yeah, he probably doesn't quite get there, but it'll be at least kind of fun along the way. So I don't hate it as much. And, uh... I'm not going to go full bust there. I think we may have gone too far on Jordan Poole, but I'm not going to throw him in that list either. My next bust is one that I've been talking about since this thing started, which is Brandon Ingram, who um, we really haven't seen him get to this level because his pre-rank is 49 with the team healthy around him. Last year, he got into the 60s when Zion was hurt basically the entire year, and other guys kept missing time. And then Ingram missed a ton of time. He hasn't been all that healthy the last couple of seasons. Um, He never really had a great health year. He's had a couple in there that weren't as bad. But the steals and blocks came back down where you expected after that one weird season where he actually got steals. Yes, he's still now a good percentages guy, which is fun. Uh, He scores a decent amount, but he gets overdrafted because he scores buckets. But he doesn't hit threes. He doesn't get defensive stats. Uh, he's not healthy and his turnovers are high. I'd be, I, I just, I don't like him in the 40s. I don't think he gets to this rank per game. And I think there's a very real chance that his totals rank is even worse than his per game rank. Next possible bust is Scotty Barnes. Um, we can call him an honorable mention because he might take a little bit of a step forward this year. That's the expectation. But he was in the 80s last season. And you know me, until someone shows me they can do it, I'm not gonna buy that they can do it. Fairly straightforward, right? Barnes was at 15, six and a half, and five. There's still all this talk about point, Scotty Barnes, but he already had five assists a game last year. How much higher you think that's gonna go? Six instead of five? Maybe the usage gets another shot up. Whatever. Bad field goal percent, bad free throw percent. Turnovers will probably go with it. Yeah, I like the steals and blocks combo. You know, being able to do a little bit of everything across the board is kind of nice. Um, and he was durable last year, but jumping from 85 to past 50, because I wanted to beat that mark, that's asking a lot. So Scotty Barnes goes on my possible busts list in this next chunk, and that's probably it. I'm not a huge fan of Shangun at 59, but he did beat that by totals last year, so you can't call him a bust there. That would not be fair. And finally, the final 30 slots we're going to do here before we wrap up today's show. That went a little bit longer than expected. Zion at 61 is terrifying. When he was going in the 80s, I thought we could maybe take a dive on it and see what the hell happened. The thing is, he's probably going to be around 60-something per game. So I can't call him a bust, because if he actually stays upright, then he probably hits this. Uh, But he's someone you want to be pretty careful with. Can we call that? Josh Giddy was number 113 in 9-cat last year. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why he's going 62. You could make the argument that uh, he's more points league friendly as a bad foul shooter with high turnovers. That is true. But I'd also point out he's not a great defensive stats guy. He's mostly boards and assists, and even those are kind of like good but not great. And I don't know that he's about to get to do a whole lot more as Oklahoma City's other young guys develop around him. It seems like they're all just kind of going to develop together. So I don't know how he goes from 115 to 60. Um, but if he does, well, so be it. But I'm going to throw Josh Giddy on my list as guys that I would definitely not take uh, at this early juncture. Paolo Boncaro is here because of points leaks. I'm going to call him a possible bust, from a nine category perspective because there's just like no chance he gets to this mark on a uh, on a nine cat per game basis. But he's only being drafted there because of points leagues, um, because his percentages are going to struggle. His turnovers are going to be high. He just has a lot of problems with this fantasy game. So um, as much as he is, you know, sort of that NBA ready body, his fantasy game is not going to translate. So we'll put Paolo Boncaro on the, we get it, He's not here because of 9-cat drafts, but also 9-cat at 65, that's a bust. Chris Middleton is going to move down the board at the next uh, rearrange after this trade, but at 68, he would scare me a lot, so call him an honorable mention in this department. Uh, Jalen Green at 76 is someone that I can't make myself quite buy into yet. Um, He was number one hundred and eighty. I think he was something around 180-200 last year. Yeah, I think he gets better. He probably gets more efficient. But getting all the way to number 76 is going to take a, a change in his fantasy game that I just really don't see coming. Um, Franz Wagner was a possible bust when he was getting drafted in the low 60s if he goes closer to 80, which it looks like he will. Now he's fine. Um, and we'll continue to scoot down the board here quickly. Time Lord is going to be a bit scary for those of you that don't want to deal with his days off but I can't necessarily call him a bust there Kyle Kuzma is going to get to do enough uh, on the usage side that'll cover up a lot of his deficiencies so he's not quite a bust and um Draymond Green like you're going at 90 now so how much of a bust can you really be he'll probably finish at like 100 to 110 range Buddy Heald is a sort of a high upside low floor guy so I can't call him a bust either so that's it that's your list Um, I know I went through the busts kind of quickly there at the end, but I wanted to make sure we got it to wedge them all in in a 40-minute show. Thank you for watching, everybody. That's the redo on steals and busts in the top 100 with the new Yahoo board. I am Dan Baspris. Please drop a follow on Twitter, at Dan DanBaspris. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. You guys know the drill. Take a second. I want to see like a 15% hit rate on people hitting the thumbs up button, which right now would not be that many of you. So maybe we'll aim higher than that. But after the fact, when I can't physically accost you in the middle of a show, uh, that's when I really need you guys to hit the button. So, again, thanks for watching, everybody. Tomorrow, what the hell's tomorrow? Tomorrow's Friday. Oh, we're talking punt points tomorrow. And if there's time, we'll try to do another mock, because the mock earlier today was a little bit of a wet blanket. Okay, I'm Dan. Later.